Welcome to the Metro Church Podcast. We hope you will be blessed by this message. For more information about Metro Church, visit our website at metrochurch.org.au. Father, we thank you for tonight. Lord, we never come to your word feeling like we know it all, or even like we know enough. We come to your word, Lord, like students in front of the teacher, like servants in front of the master, like disciples in front of the Lord. And so, God, we ask you to know, would you breathe upon this for us? God, I'm asking you for it. I need this message. I know so many others will as well. Would you help us, Lord, to take steps with you that will change our life and thereby change our world? We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Just one verse, Matthew 16, verse 13 says, when Jesus came, I'll just wait a minute because some people are looking that up on your phone. As Hayden said last Sunday night, not on your social media, get rid of that. Get onto the Bible app and uh, look that up. Matthew 16, verse 13. And then when you finish that, go over to your notes app and then you can make some notes that will remind you during the week. All right? Some of you like me may even have this thing that it's a new device. It's called a Bible and uh, it's made of paper. And stuff like that. If you've got one of those, use that. Matthew 16, 13. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, listen to the question. Who do people, who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? Jesus asked the question, who do people say that I, the Son of Man, am? Understand that in the question, he's telling them who he is. So we know that he's not asking for a survey. He's not going to somehow rather change according to the opinion polls like many people do nowadays. He's not asking for votes for the crowd. Jesus never pitched to the crowd. He worked with disciples, with followers. Matthew 5 says that, He gathered His disciples and called them to Him. And that's where what we call the Sermon of the Mount comes from. In John 6, where He started speaking about His sacrifice on the cross and His death and then ultimately His resurrection to follow. It says this in John 6, 66. And many walked no more with Him. And then it says this amazing verse. He turned to His disciples and said, Do you also want to go? What a remarkable thing. Jesus was not going to beg or, or cajole or, or kind of obligate someone into followership. We don't follow Jesus because He makes us. We follow Him because He captures our heart in such an extraordinary way that to follow Him becomes our joy and becomes the, the life and the source of life in us. So he's not asking for votes or saying, click on like if you think I'm you know, maybe the Son of God. He's not asking for support as though he needs that. And so when Peter responds after Jesus' question and declares this, he says, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Now watch this. It's so important to this whole message because Jesus declares Peter's response, not to be an opinion, but to be a revelation. He said, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this unto you, 
but my Father in heaven. Now stay with me tonight because you're going to need to think a little bit. And I want you to understand something about you and something about all of us and the way we respond in life and why for so many people, life never breaks through the ceiling that is over them. Why they never go on to the fullness of what God has for them. A revelation is something that already is, but it's hidden. That's what revelation means. It's a revealing. You don't reveal what's not there. You reveal what is there. And keep that thought because we're going to come back to it a little bit later. Let me give you just one more verse, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, 18. But we all with open face, beholding, or unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord. And then it goes on and says, we are transformed into that same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. I want you to think for a minute, every one of you will have done this, the last time you looked in a mirror. And if I was to get you up here and you would look in the mirror and then you would turn away and I would ask you this question, what do you see? What did you see? You would be amazed at the responses that we would get to that question. When you look in a mirror, what do you see? A little while ago, they asked some of the beautiful people, supermodels, famous actors and actresses, and they said to them, you are so praised for your beauty. You're admired for your good looks. I remember some of the supermodels being asked that and they said, so what's your response? What do you think? Do you feel beautiful? Here's the weird thing. Every single one of them turned around and said, no, you know, my cheek line's too high. You know, my, I don't know, my eyebrows are too big or I don't know what people think about what they look like or stuff like that. But every single one of them pointed out something that they felt was a flaw. When they looked in the mirror, they did not see this magnificent specimen of beauty that everyone else applauded. They looked into the mirror and they saw flaws. They saw, you know, that maybe one eye was not quite the same shape as the other one. They saw that little bump there. I call it a beauty spot personally. Ask people, you know, about their appearance. It's pretty hard nowadays to find anyone who's satisfied with the way they look. If you've got curly hair, you want it straight. If you've got straight, you want curly. If you've got none, you want some. It's pretty hard to find anybody who goes, you know what? I'm just great. Thank you very much. Why is it that the plastic surgery industry is literally billions of dollars a year. And by the way, this is not a message against plastic surgery. I'm, I'm a bit like when they asked Dr. Billy Graham once what his opinion was on makeup. And a lady asked him, and he said, Dear lady, he said, if the barn needs painting, paint it. Now, I'm not sure I can even say that nowadays. It's probably, I don't know, it'll be somethingist. Uh, but I, I'm, I'm literally, I, I've actually got no problem with people that want to have surgery because there's something they 
need to do. What, what I'm trying to say is this. How many times do we look in there and we don't see what we see? We see what we believe about us. If only I wasn't like that. If only it was different. Most people dismiss the way they are. There's this thing called group selfie etiquette. And I've experienced this. I remember once at a wedding where people were taking selfies. And before anyone could post it, everyone in the group had to sign off before they were allowed to post it. Because somebody goes, no, that's my wrong side. No, you know, I had this weird look. Sorry, are these mirrors borrowing everyone? Some of you are looking a bit like you're in the headlights. No, you're good. So this group selfie etiquette says, hey, listen, you know, I want to make sure I'm presenting my best. And I guess that's admirable. But I believe that most people don't really look in a mirror, in a natural mirror even. And they, we don't see what is, but we see what we believe about ourselves. But think about how much more damaging it is when it's not even a natural mirror that we look into, but when we look into the mirror of our past. See, the thing is that every single one of you, no matter who you are or where you are, every one of us has got a past. And every one of us, the enemy will hold up the mirror of your yesterday. Happens all the time. Why is it that the Scripture talks about, uh, about a novice undergoing condemnation as though that's one of the first traps, one of the first strategies of the devil is to get you to look at your past. You're redeemed, you're born again, you've come to Christ, you're a brand new creation and all that stuff. And the first thing, how many people here remember being a new Christian and coming to church, lifting up your hands in worship and feeling so condemned that slowly but slowly you lower them? Or am I the only one that ever did that? Because I sure have. And feeling that I was not worthy. And why? Because for that split second in worship, I looked into the mirror of my yesterday. I looked in the mirror of my mistakes and my failures. Other people look into the mirror of their feelings. I hear it from people all the time. Oh, I feel so far from God. Well, that's a mirror you're looking into called your emotions. And sometimes you're going to feel so absolutely close to God and sometimes that can evaporate by the car park. That's why in this church, we don't build out of one service or out of another service, but we build out of a life of following Christ. Amen. It's not about one service. and Oh, I got touched. Well, that's great, but let's keep on going in our life and in our world. Some people, it's all about everybody else's opinion. That's the mirror that they are engaged with. I'm looking into the mirror and this is what my teacher said about me. My mum or my dad, I literally, I meet people like this all the time for whom the upbringing mirror is reflecting back somebody that they will say will never be whole. I can't have a good relationship because my father abandoned me when I was just a child. I'll never have a great life. I meet people like this all the time because the mirror they keep looking into is a flawed mirror. It's a mirror that says you can't make it. It's a mirror that says you're broken. It's a mirror that says it's like one of those distorted mirrors. 
It reflects back just one thing, like a supermodel looking in and all she can see is the difference in one eyebrow. Everything else about her is amazing, but you know what she sees every time she looks in the mirror? She sees that one flaw. She sees that one thing. You know, every one of us will have one of those things in our life. That if we're not careful, we'll let that become the mirror we look into. So mirrors for most people are not about showing you what is. They're about showing you what you and what others sometimes believe about you. This verse, 2 Corinthians 3.18, says, But we all with unveiled face, watch this, beholding as in a mirror. This has got to be one of the weirdest verses of the Bible. No matter who you are, if I get you up here and I say, look in the mirror, who do you see? Every one of you will say your name. Kurt Kinder, is he? Oh, that's Kurt. Hi, Kurt. Carl Paul. Oh, hi, Carl. Gabby. Oh, yeah, hi. We will all say that. But notice that the verse here uses the same word mirror, but instead of looking in the mirror and seeing you, Think about it, this is a weird mirror. But we all with open face, unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord. Are you getting this? Are you getting how weird this is? I look in a mirror and I don't see Jeff Woodward. I look in a mirror and I go, oh, there's the glory of the Lord. I look in a mirror and instead of seeing me, I see the glory of God. And this is a very special kind of mirror because instead of looking into it and seeing what I believe about me, I look into a mirror and I see what he believes about me. And listen, some, some people have made some of this stuff sound like, you know, some kind of just positive thinking, mind over matter. You know, I don't mind and you don't matter. But that's not at all what this verse teaches. It's teaching us a profound spiritual truth. I've said this for years and years. If you do nothing else but come to church and worship God, your life will change. Why do I say that? Because 2 Corinthians chapter 3.18 says that when I look into the mirror of God's presence and God's Word, I don't see me and who I am. I see what he believes about me. And I look into it and then if that was not enough, it's not just that it reflects what I believe, it, it reflects what he believes me about me and I see myself as God sees me. Now remember what I said, that it was a revelation and a revelation is revealing something that's hidden. When you look into this mirror, it reveals something that's hidden about you. I hope if you could, you were in mingle time and heard Abe say in mingle time about EFM. He said, none of us know what we are capable of. He said, EFM reveals who God has made us to be. It pulls back the veil. Every one of you, there are things about you that are hidden. 
Your mother doesn't know him. Your dad doesn't know him. Your kids don't know him. Your husband or your wife doesn't know him. Your work colleagues don't know them. There are things about you. Are you with me here? This is going to be a, a brief message, but I trust it'll be powerful for your life. There are things about you that you need revelation of. And when you look into that mirror, God's mirror, He says, that's what you're really like. And he begins to show you something about you. That's why 1 John chapter 3 and verse 2 can say this, Beloved, it does not yet appear that what we shall be. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him. It's saying there's something about every believer that is undiscoverable without the key of the Holy Spirit. There's something about you that is beyond human reasoning. You can do all the personality surveys and all the gift questionnaires. Can I say to you, without the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life, it's never going to become unlocked by information. It becomes unlocked by transformation. Because this mirror is not just a reflector. It's an activator. Let me quote to you the verse again. But we all with open face, unveiled face, that's revelation. But we all with revelation, beholding as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord. Watch this. We are changed into that image. What image? The image of what we're beholding. Do you know that if you behold the image of you as a failure, then the spirit of failure will start transforming you into one. Whatever you behold, the spirit of what you behold will change you. And here we see in this, when I behold as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, the Bible says the Holy Spirit starts saying, I'm going to make you look like that. I'm going to change who you are. And so the person who's condemned and feeling inferior beholds the right, I remember this. For me, I grew up in a church background where it was all about trying harder to be good. We came from what was called the holiness tradition. And I used to read about all these saints that were so holy and I'd go, God, I'm the least holy. I'm just not capable of living that kind of life. And then I remember when I heard the message of 1 Corinthians 1 verse 30 that he has been made unto us righteousness and that I am the righteousness of God in Christ. And when that message touched my heart and I began to understand, then instead of letting my hands fall down and worship because I felt so unworthy, I lifted them up despite my mistakes and my failures because I'd been looking into the mirror and I understood that I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. When I felt weak or powerless, incapable, unable. I look into that mirror. You have no idea how many thousands and thousands and thousands of times I've looked into that mirror and it's told me the exact opposite of the mirror of my past, the exact opposite of the mirror of my feeling, the, the exact opposite of the mirror of what other people might think. Every single one, I challenge you tonight. Some of you need to get out the hammer and smash the mirror you've been looking into. And saying, I'm not going to keep looking at that. I'm going to come and look in the mirror of God's Word because the Holy Spirit wants to change you. 
the Holy Spirit, you're not going to do it just by willpower. That'll never be enough. You're not going to be able to do it just by trying harder. Well, I'm just going to really, you know, I'm, 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 going, to, I'm going to be a good Christian if it kills me. That's why we've got so many dead Christians. They're all trying so hard, they're working themselves to death. The Scripture says, will you come and look? Why, why do, for 30-something years, I've been saying to people, worship, praise and worship is not the entree. Don't skip the entree and wait for the main meal. Because something profound happens every single time we get before God. How many people know what I'm talking about when I say, have you ever come to pray and you've gone in, you're thinking this and that, and, and you come to pray and everything shifts? And you walk out, you know what I'm talking about? You, how did that happen? It's because for a couple of seconds, for a few minutes, for maybe longer, you stop looking into the mirror of everything that's been going on in your life. You stop looking into the mirror of how you feel and what you've been like and how good you are, and you started looking into the glory of God. And the Holy Spirit goes, nah, that's what I want. And then He starts changing you. And that's why you walk out. But one moment will never be enough. For me personally, praise and worship has always been one of the outstanding, outstanding gifts of God. I thank God so much. You have no idea. I was thinking tonight as I came up how much I appreciate our creative team who worked so hard and are so diligent and faithful and making sure that we get this space because it's more than a few songs to start the service. It's more than the opportunity to, you know, use our voices and to participate. Something divine and supernatural takes place when we worship God. Everything about us in those other mirrors will tell us how weak we are and how much we've failed. We'll project back to us our limitations. The Holy Spirit says, would you come and have a look in what I'm going to hold up? Would you let me show you? what I believe about you. Lay aside all the other ones. Let me show you what I believe. We're going to pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for tonight. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for the simplicity of all your truth. You're not complicated and hard to work out. Jesus, you just said, come unto me. All you who labour, you're working at it. You're heavy laden. It's a burden. <clears throat> Come to me and I'll give you rest. Oh God, I thank you that we are your children. We're not your project. We're your, your family. And you have given us everything that we need for life and godliness. We want more of you, Lord. Come on, Ruby and team, just come and sing it for us a minute. Can we just sit in the presence of God for a few minutes? Come on, start looking in the mirror and see what God says about you. Oh, I know some of you, the devil's been working overtime these last few months, telling you it's never going to happen. You're never going to get there. You Come, come, Ruby. Your family are never going to respond. But God, we look into the mirror tonight of your glory. We believe, God, that the waters 
that cover the sea will be nothing compared to the glory that covers the earth. We don't believe, God, that the earth is in the hands of the wicked one. We believe the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Thou, everyone that dwells in it, you are not diminished by anything that's in our world right now, Lord, but you are above it all. Come on, let's sing it. I just want more, I just want more, more of you, God, more of you, God, and I just want more, and I just want service. Some of you that are part of it, whether you're in the building or whether you're online, you feel like you've been looking in that same mirror, listen, that someone handed to you. Maybe it's a parent who screwed up. They handed you the mirror of unworthiness. You've been carrying it around, taking it everywhere you go. When something goes wrong, you look in the mirror and go, that's why I see, told you. Every failure becomes proof that that mirrors truth. But now you get to this point where you go, God, you tell me there's something else. Maybe it's time I lay down that mirror. Trust me, if you smash that one, there won't be seven years of bad luck. There'll be a change in your life. So wherever you are, if you're in the service, I'm just going to ask if that's you and you go, oh, I've got a mirror I need to lay down. I need to get rid of that mirror. I need to throw it away. I'm not going to put it there in case I want to pick it up in a couple of days' time. I'm going to get rid of it. I'm smashing that thing in Jesus' name. If you're online, I can't see you, but you can still be a part of this. Just wherever you are. Maybe it's just you in front of your phone or your computer or your TV. Would you just lift your hand in front of that wherever you are? God, tonight I'm going to lay down that mirror. If you're in the building, just lift your hand. No one's looking around but me. I'm here. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Lots of hands. I know there are online lots of people. We're going to sing this song again. Let's stand together if you're in the building with me. I just want you, Lord. Oh, I see what you see, God. I'm laying aside that mirror. Come and heal every. That's not who I am. I want more of you. 
service for I don't know how long now people have been responding to Christ it's been one of the seriously one of the great things of this last year I thank God for yes text the idea came to us a couple of years ago what a blessing it's been other churches in other places have heard about it and I heard only a couple of weeks ago about they said we're using that now well I'm thrilled about that why? Because I believe that it doesn't take a whole course. It takes a yes. If you'll say yes, do you remember, Mark, that time we were at Copec, the big stadium, and, and I got to speak and, and you asked me to. And on the plane over, I heard, I said, Holy Spirit, why do I say to these thousands of Cambodians whose life is so different to mine? And clear as bell on the plane, I heard him say, tell them I love them. I think that day, I don't know how many thousands were there, six or seven. And I gave the invitation. I said, if you want to say yes to Christ, you want to stop all the other stuff. I actually said, leave aside ancestor worship, praying to idols, and give your heart to Christ alone. And 3,000 people stood up. I made them all sit down again. I go, maybe they misunderstood. Said, got the interpreter to say it all again. Same, all those people stood up. Why? Because everybody wants to say yes to the love of God. See, no matter who you are, God's not standing aside, arms folded, waiting for you to get your act together so He'll come and say yes to you. He's saying, you say yes, no matter what you are, no matter where you are, no matter how broken you are, say yes. He said, no, I'll come into your life. Come on. I pray you'll do that right now, right where you are. Let me lead you in this prayer. Lord Jesus, I need you. I'm saying yes to you. Come into my life. Forgive my sin. And Lord, would you help me? Would you journey with me? And show me who, what you believe about me. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Now, if you said that or something like that right where you are, Text your yes if you're in Australia. It's this easy, 0488-826-392. If you're outside of Australia or you go, could I get the same help via email? Of course you can, we'd love to. It comes from us, from Metro, nobody else. The people who do it are right here in front of me. 
just go to yes.metrochurch.org.au. Just put in your yes. We'll send you a Bible verse every day, a different one. Do you know I found out it was something like 2% or less, I think, of people have opted out. And a huge percentage of people keep going with all the, the mini-series that follow it. It's up to you. You get one Bible verse and then you get a prayer because we know how sometimes many people don't know how to start to pray. We'd love to help you. 0488-826-392. Yes, Metro. If you're in the building, you can do that. We'd love to help you. Bless you in Jesus' name. Amen.